0: Can we overcome our anxieties about security to allow online voting? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to answer that and other questions about online voting, I'm pleased to be joined once again by Jason Healy, Director of the Cyber Statecraft Initiative at the Atlantic Council, a Washington Think Tank. Welcome, Jay. Thank you, Her. Good to be here again. The Atlantic Council, along with Intel Security, just published a report titled Online Voting rewards and risk. As the report notes, the technology basically exists to implement electronic voting over the internet, but if you ask most people in light of the JP Morgan Chase target and other breaches, they say they would have little, if any, confidence in the integrity of e-balloting. But before we get to the security problems facing online voting, take a few moments to explain how online voting would work and its advantages.
1: Yeah, there's Two technologies, first and foremost, that I'd like to separate for your listeners. First, there's the electronic voting, which is anything from you know, the touch screens that you use to other ways that you're generally going to a polling place and using that technology there, which happens to be plugged in. You know, it's electronic from there. That's been transformative. It is just widely used in the Indian election in every polling place. And it helps drive down costs because you don't have to print ballots. We wanted to look not so much at that, but really the online voting, where you're not going to a polling place. You're using your own phone or your own home computer, and you're using that existing consumer technology to make the vote, which is collected over the Internet.
0: Online voting would require obviously people to have the technology.
1: There's a hardware component and a software component. And it's not necessarily the hardware that you think. Estonia does this right now and they can do it because everybody has a national ID card that has a chip in it and their computers all have um, card readers. I can read the chip because they don't just use the card for voting. They use it for everything, for communicating with the bank, for submitting their taxes. The card is something which is there to simplify all of their interactions with the government, not just voting. And so you can imagine already, I think your listeners can jump to the software required. You know, you need some cryptographically secure way to, to be sure that this is the right card to be able to record the vote, to be able to make sure the person that you can vote with secrecy. You know, you can be sure that this person has voted, but you can't know exactly how they voted. And that's a very different kind of problem than we've got with most of the security problems we deal with, like e-commerce, like the use of credit cards. And it's definitely
0: different dynamics. What has been the experience in, in Estonia?
1: Well, so far, so good. And there's a number of other, uh, there's some companies that have these products. There's been some rollout in Norway, in uh, Switzerland, in one of the cantons, but largely in only small jurisdictions. You know, Estonia had the first nationwide, but there's only 1.1 million Estonians and only about a quarter of the population used it. So, and they have got this very...
0: So just, just to clarify, and the other three quarters went to voting booths?
1: Correct. But interestingly, the Estonian technology allows you to vote more than once and they only count the last ballot. So there's uh, a lot of people that like this kind of voting technology. If you're living in a country where maybe your vote is being coerced or maybe your vote is being bought, it kind of separates that, it breaks that chain because you can vote it many times. So you can't know if a vote is going to stay bought or if you're coercing someone to vote in a particular way, then it doesn't really work anymore.
0: You could be coerced to it one way then.
1: <laughs> right, right. Change your, change your vote the next day. Yeah, exactly.
0: I don't know if they would be able to tell if they capture your device, whether how you vote or not.
1: It certainly becomes much,
0: much more difficult. To get online voting accepted elsewhere in the United States or places like India, any, any democracy, what are the security challenges that must be overcome to be able to vote online?
1: I think the challenges are very, very significant. Imagine if someone wrote a Zeus bot to go after elections. Right? I mean, we've had so much trouble going after Zeus that goes after financial transactions. If someone really wanted to throw an election or influence an election, we know how much people are willing to spend on that. You know, a million dollars to write an awesome election bot would be more than enough money and would make things very difficult. So almost every problem we have in information security, we have here. If you're trying to get people to register online, most people register at the last moment, a denial of service attack could disenfranchise people. If you all have to vote on the same day, then that makes it easy for denial of service attack that could disenfranchise people. If you're collecting the votes in one place and collecting them over the internet, that gives an excellent opportunity for people to try and break in and change the votes. Now, this is difficult for finance sector, for government, and everyone else to get through normal IT challenges. Elections in the US are run at the local level. They run at the county or state level, where they're not going to have dedicated chief information security officers to really do this, right? There aren't enough people that are going to be listening to Eric Chabro broadcast or, or reading government information magazines, right?
0: So does this make this an impossible challenge?
1: Boy, I think it's going to be. And some of the experts that we talked to, they were saying 30 to 40 years before this can happen on a large scale, meaning across the United States for a real national election, because you want to solve identification, you want to solve authentication, you want to solve availability and making this DDoS proof. You have to figure out almost every other security problem before you can get this to work. Now, I'm not convinced that the American electorate would wait that long. That means people that grew up using Snapchat in their mid-teens, would be 45 or 50 before they could shift to start voting I suspect if it's going to come earlier either we get a great disruptive defense technology that makes everything simpler you know we reinvent the internet or we're able to just um, American people just decide that they're going to accept a national ID card I don't see either of those happening but we might change exactly what we expect out of election we didn't always have a secret ballot in this country you know it's only been in Now, maybe the last hundred years, we really went to a secret ballot. We didn't allow women or other minorities to vote. We had to change what we wanted. So it's very possible that as we go forward, the digital generation, as they come in, say, you know what, maybe I don't mind if people know how I vote. Because right now it has to be secure, it has to be private, it has to be uninterruptible, it has all of these attributes that are very, very demanding attributes and we'll probably never be able to solve all of them. So maybe parts of the American electorate The digital natives will decide that they don't need all of them. Maybe they're happy to vote in the clear. And then you start getting it to be a much more solvable
0: problem. This uh, transparency could open itself to coercion, wouldn't it?
1: Well, it could, but it might not be us that make this decision. You know, it might come across over years where we start voting in other places. You know, we're voting in city elections. We're voting online for um, who we think is the best celebrity dancer, that we're voting by proxy as shareholders. And it might be that people get used to voting without the stringent security requirements that we information security professionals would insist on. It might be that the culture changes so that people say, you know what, we can accept some coercion. You know, if I don't mind who knows how I voted, everybody knows that I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, so why don't I just make that public or accept a lesser version of security? And if I really care about staying, making sure it's private, then I'll go to the polling station. But it'll be up to me to make that decision. We don't have that right now, or we almost have that now with the, with the mail-in ballots, right? We've already started to make these trade-offs. We don't know what happens to it when we put the ballot in the envelope and mail it off. There's not the strong authentication or identification that we might expect for such an important function as voting. But we accept it because of the convenience or because many people are overseas or elderly and can't make it to a polling station who have already made these kinds of trade-offs. So it wouldn't surprise me if one, two, three generations of voters down will start deciding that they can accept perhaps less security, privacy, or the rest in this important endeavor of voting.
0: Something we will not see any time soon.
1: I think it's at least 10 years out before we either get the technology or the culture starts shifting to what the -the state-of-the-art technology is able to do.
0: And of course, it's impossible to predict what the -the state-of-the-art technology will be 10 years from now.
1: Right, and frankly, I think It's more likely that the attackers are going to have more advantage in 10 years. So anything that we're able to solve on the defensive side, they're able to get up with their own cool technologies to overwhelm it. You know, that's that's certainly been the lesson of the last twenty or thirty years. I think if we want to invent ourselves out of this, we have to question whether that's going to be likely. It
0: would have to be a cultural change, really, to bring uh, online voting.
1: Yeah, I think that's much more likely. That as the younger generations come around, they're gonna they're gonna feel free to make trade-offs that we would be uncomfortable with, or that we wouldn't even think of.
0: Well, thanks, Jay. Great. Thank you, Eric. I've been speaking with Jason Healy. who's director of the Cyber Statecraft Initiative at the Atlanta Council on their new report, Online Voting, Rewards and Risks. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.